Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you as always by Manscaped for all your male grooming needs. We want to say thank you to our listeners who continue to support the podcast by shopping online at manscaped.com and getting 20% off your entire order with the promo code SUNNYNKC. You guys have helped us fund this podcast and keep bringing you guys Chiefs content every week, so we appreciate that. You already know about the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man with patented skin safe technology that makes getting nicked a thing of the past. But they also have a nice nail kit called the Shears 2.0, which has tempered stainless steel tools, including slash tip tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. I'm a personal believer in these products, and if you're frustrated with your electric razors running out of batteries, becoming dull, catching your skin, you owe it to yourself to try out Manscaped. Just remember to use promo code SUNNYNKC to get 20% off your entire order. Manscaped, take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. So I'll tell you what, Taylor, I've watched Jeopardy before, and I know that the strat is to take the high numbers first. That guy that won a bunch of Jeopardy games did the whole analytics. So I'm going to take quarterbacks for 500, please. Quarterbacks for 500. This future first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback does not have a 16-game streak in his career that can match Patrick Mahomes in passing yards, passing touchdowns, fewest interceptions, quarterback rating, or adjusted yards per attempt. Ooh, ah, hmm. I'm gonna go with, hmm, hmm. I mean, this could be any number of people because this future first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. I, I understand that. I understand that. I'm just saying there are many future Hall of Fame first ballot quarterbacks that probably cannot match Patrick Mahomes. But I'm going to say, who is Tom Brady? Ding, 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 ding. That is correct. The GOAT himself hasn't ever had a 16-game stretch in any of those categories as good as Mahomes. Out. Tasty, tasty. Love it. The board is still yours, Austin. I will take quarterbacks for 400, please. This future first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback does not have a 16-game streak in his career that matches Patrick Mahomes in wins, fewest interceptions, or adjusted yards per attempt. He does, however... Hold the NFL record for passing yards over any 16-game stretch with 5,755. Who is... It's got to be Drew Brees. Who is Drew Brees? Ding, 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 ding. That is also correct. Drew Brees is the owner of many passing statistics in NFL history, including most yards over 16 games. Very nice. Quarterbacks for 300. This actual GOAT quarterback has the NFL record for 16-game stretches for points scored with 622, touchdown passes with 55, quarterback rating with 132.3, and adjusted yards per attempt with 10.6. Oh, there's only one man that this could be. Who is Patrick Mahomes? That is incorrect. This actual GOAT quarterback that we were looking for was Peyton Manning. that's a that's a tough one we're gonna have to go to uh the next contestant for the board oh there is no other contestant so austin you have the final question (laughs) i'll take uh quarterbacks for 200 this eventual goat has the best composite ranking over any 16 games for wins points yards touchdowns interceptions rating and adjusted yards per attempt in nfl history oh i'm gonna try and manage the same gusto who is patrick mahomes Ding, 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 ding. Austin has won Jeopardy. RIP Alex Trebek.
Welcome in, everybody, to It's Always Sunny in Chief's Kingdom. Rest in peace, Alex Trebek. And Sean Connery. They had and a great Celebrity Jeopardy oh. situation going on in SNL, and they both we lost them both recently. So RIP to both. It's been a rough year. It's been a rough week. But it's still always sunny in Chief's Kingdom. We got a great podcast for you today. I want to start off by thanking the troops. We got to give show our appreciation for the troops. It is Veterans Day. We are recording this on 11-11, named uh, Veterans Day here in America for the armistice in the First World War, signed on the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918, 102 years ago today. Thank you for all of the troops that we have that listen to this podcast. I know we've got a couple at least. We really appreciate your service to America. So we're going to try and celebrate you a little bit, maybe celebrate us as well. We got a recap of the Chiefs game over the Chiefs win over the Panthers. We got a little bit of news that we're going to talk about here. As this is a bye week and we don't have a game to preview this week, we're going to dig into the mailbag. We've been a little bit we've been a little bit negligent, Taylor, but we are going to make up for it this week with some tasty mailbag questions. Yeah, we had a ton of them. And I also want to say that was a really nice thing you said about the troops. (laughs) Thank you very much, Taylor. Let's get into this Panthers recap. So the Chiefs play the Panthers. We've got an NFC South game, not a team that we see very often, just once every four years. This was our first time seeing the Panthers since Cam Newton was their quarterback, since Marcus Peters and Eric Berry were on the field making plays for the Chiefs. Panthers come to Arrowhead and the Chiefs squeak one out 33 to 31 what were kind of your your major takeaways from this game? Well, uh, the first thing overall, big picture wise, I when I looked at the box score, I was like, damn, the Chiefs allowed a lot of points, 31. They lost the turnover battle. They didn't rush the ball and they only possessed the ball for 21 minutes. So I was thinking there's got to be that's got to be very rare in NFL history to win a game in those circumstances. And as it turns out, that is the first win in NFL history, allowing 29 points or more, losing the turnover batter, battle, rushing for fewer than 70 yards. The Chiefs only have 30 yards rushing and having fewer than 21, 22 minutes time of possession. So they didn't do a lot of things right. But fortunately, they have the best quarterback on the planet, and he was able to overcome all of that. And, I mean, that was the difference is just the Chiefs had the better – better quarterback and uh it was a it was a close one i the panthers have spunk they're they're a nice team i'm sorry did you say the first time in nfl history (laughs) yeah first time in nfl history i'll I'll recap that that a team has won a game while allowing 29 points or more losing the turnover battle rushing for fewer than 70 yards on the ground and having fewer than 23 minutes time of possession first time anyone's ever won by doing all that well through pat all things are possible so jot that down Patrick Mahomes was the story of this game on the Chiefs side. But before we get into his performance, I just want to echo your comments about the Panthers. I tweeted during the game that the Panthers are cool. That's like my takeaway from this, right? Like they, they went for it on fourth down three times in this game. They converted all three. That included a fake punt very early in the game that they went for it on fourth down. They converted a long fourth down on just an incredible play um, from Teddy Bridgewater, scrambling and giving up his body, going airborne. I mean, incredible play. Obviously, you'd like to see the Chiefs give a little bit better effort, um, stopping him from getting to the sticks. Still, you like to see it as uh, as just a fan of the game of football, especially after everything that Teddy's been through with his injury Mm -hmm. history and everything like that. That was remarkable to see. Christian McCaffrey was back on the field and unfortunately looks like is now going to be back off the field as he got hurt late in this game. But he's a, an incredibly fun player to watch. I know, you know, running backs don't matter and all of that. But man, he <laughs> is 
he is a pleasure to watch. I mean, if one of them could matter, it'd be him. This Panthers team just was, this was the team. This was like, I don't want to say it was the blueprint. Certainly on defense, it was not the blueprint, but offensively, the things that they did, they controlled the ball. They were very aggressive on fourth down. They made, uh, they made some trick plays. They were aggressive and going for it and trying to get into the end zone. I mean, they really just played the kind of game that people have been saying for years. This is how you should play against the Chiefs. Pull out all the stops on fourth down, empty the playbook, be aggressive, put up as many points as you possibly can. And by golly, it almost worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they definitely had the right half of the formula, like you said. I think the opening drive was very much a red flag for the Chiefs for how the game was going to go. The Panthers marched down the field in nine minutes on an opening drive and scored on a fourth down conversion to Christian McCaffrey. So it was a, they they sucked up all the clock and then they went forward on fourth down and scored a touchdown. And that's when you're like, okay, like these guys are, you know, they're, they're definitely prepared for this. And then the Chiefs misfired on a third down, um, you know, deep in Panthers territory and kicked a field goal. Then the Panthers come straight back and score their second possession, score another touchdown, and it's 14-3. to And you're looking at it, you're like, all right, it's still the second quarter. You know, the Chiefs being down 11 is nothing new to them, but it still was um, a little concerning. And then the Chiefs could only convert um, a field goal after that to cut it to 14-6, and it was just kind of like, man, like, where is this offense? Where Where is this game going? But fortunately, they turned it around. Even that was a 55-yarder. I mean, they got yes. into Panthers territory on that drive on a beautiful deep pass to McCole Hardman for 32 yards, putting them in the Carolina territory, and then misfired on three straight passes, three straight incomplete passes, and just kind of didn't quite look like they were completely clicking there. Fortunately, mm-hmm. Harrison Bucker, who struggled <laughs> again in this game, we'll probably talk more about that. Like it seems like, unfortunately, we have every week since the Chargers game. But he hit a 55-yarder totally true very good play there and then the Panthers came back down and finally the defense showed a little bit of fight and knocked the Panthers out uh near midfield <laughs> one of the worst punts we've seen ever probably ever I mean, organized we, football <laughs> we immediately saw why the Panthers decided to run a fake punt on the first drive <laughs> of the game because Joseph Charlton punts at 21 yards Chiefs get the ball at their own 35 hits Travis Kelsey for 23 yards, hits Tyreek Hill for seven, Edwards Alaire for seven, Kelsey for five, Kelsey for eight, Tyreek Hill for 14, and then Taylor, first and goal from the Carolina one. Mm. Patrick Mahomes goes in motion. Ferrari right. Wait, who? Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, goes in motion (laughs) at the snap, runs to his left, then spins around, just runs in a circle. It was almost like it was a little bit reminiscent of – the 49ers, his first oh, touchdown sure. at Arrowhead sure, is what yeah, I was yeah. going to say, but it was planned. I mean, he, he <laughs> rolled out on purpose. They put him in motion at the snap. Everybody goes to the left because they think maybe he's going to run an option or something like that. And he wheels back around to the other side and he hits Demarcus Robinson for, for some reason, it feels like <laughs> Demarcus is the guy that gets the ball. Every time there's like a weird play, <laughs> You know, like whether it's no designed word. or whether it's a scramble, like he just is always the guy that's getting the ball uh-huh. on these goofy plays. And he was wide open for the touchdown. He had a couple yards of separation, which when you're talking about, you know, first and goal from the one, it's pretty hard to get that kind of separation on a play like that. There were a couple of really good breakdowns of of what D-Rob was doing before this play, which was he very 
he sold run blocking really well. He looked like he was going to run block to the left side. And then as soon as the defender tried to get around him, anticipating a run, then D-Rob broke off and there was nobody on the backside of the play. Everybody had come up to the line. As soon as they saw Mahomes walk away from center, they knew something was up. Everybody kind of brain short circuited. I mean, it was a, and, and Andy said, Pat drew this play up. And this is the type of amazing. It is. It's the type of backyard football that really, when the Chiefs pull plays like this off, you can kind of tell that they they kind of crank it up into another gear. And this was like the Chiefs needed not only did they need to score on this drive to cut it to 14-13, but they needed to go out there and and assert their chiefness, their dominance. Yeah. They needed to go yeah. out and have fun. And you could just kind of sense the weight of of a potential upset kind of lift off everybody when you know, okay, okay, we the Chiefs might have struggled earlier, but they still have the best player on the planet, and they're still able to go out there and pull stuff off that literally no one's ever even, not only has no one ever done this type of play, no one's even heard of this type of play, where where you send the quarterback in motion to take a snap, a motion snap, and then immediately spin around on his own motion and throw back the, uh, it, it, it was, I can't, of all the crazy plays Mahomes has pulled off, I don't want to say that's the craziest because I still think no looking is probably a little crazier than that just because, but it was, it was phenomenal. It really got me hyped. And uh, from there, the chiefs kind of traded blows with the Panthers and just ended up on top. I want to spend a little bit more time with this play because it was so, it was so unique. I mean, you think about all the things that go into creating a play like that. I'm glad that you shared with me that that was Pat's play that he sort of devised in his own brain because I did not, I had not heard that. And that's amazing. Um, but you think about the different things that the Chiefs have put on tape over the last two and a half years that make that kind of play possible. And, you know, there were there was uh, some guys from PFF after the game. I think Sam Monson, we're going to talk about them a little bit later because, boy, mm-hmm. they've had a they've had a rough yeah. 24 hours. Um, but he was tweeting about, you know, like, imagine if that was Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray that did that. And I get that sentiment. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes he's so good at throwing on the run. We don't, we don't talk about it enough because I, I, I mean, listen, Lamar is, is good. I was going to say Lamar is great. He's, he's been good this year. He's been fine. He's been fine. Kyler Murray is great. He's, he's the new Lamar. He's uh, he's the new hotness, but listen, those guys, especially Lamar. I mean, Kyler Murray, this isn't quite as much going to apply to Kyler Murray, but when Lamar gets out of the pocket and, Lamar takes off. Lamar is a runner and Lamar is a great runner. There's Mm -hmm. a reason why Lamar is a runner when he gets out of the pocket. It's because every, his entire life until he got to the NFL, it was always better for him to run than it was for him to throw. Like as soon as he gets in the open field, the thing about Patrick Mahomes is he's never been Lamar's level as a runner, right? Like not anywhere close. And so yeah, no one really has, but yes. Yeah, no one has, and and Pat's got such an arm, and he's always been so good. But the thing is, he's developed that throwing on the run, I mean, ever since he was a baseball player, right? Like, since he was a kid, ever since he was throwing a ball, that's something that he's worked on. And so when he leaves the pocket like that, he he truly is an a unique dual threat because of his ability to throw. Like, he can run mm-hmm. a little bit, but his ability to throw on the run and throw off platform and throw in any direction, I mean – that could have been that ball could have gone in any direction as soon as he went into motion, right? Like yes. he could have been yes. running an option. He could have pitched it like we saw in the Super Bowl, where where it was designed as an option, and he, he ended up 
keeping it and mm-hmm. scoring the Chiefs' first touchdown in the Super Bowl. You know, he could have he could have gone behind the back. Who knows? You know, like there's so many different ways. He still to will. Could have gone. He will. He will. Probably not in that situation. Probably in a blowout. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it just was a. It was such a unique play, and I I agree. Like that just felt like a little bit of a shift. Now. Momentum is largely a myth because even though that felt like a big cosmic shift in this game, the Panthers went down and kicked a field goal and moved <laughs> the ball on the Chiefs. And then the Chiefs, for the second time in a couple of games, had just... They were asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were. They were asked. They were asked. They got the ball back with 46 seconds, okay? That's more than enough time for them to drive down and score the ball. And their end of half was just atrocious. It was terrible. It, 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 they had two timeouts, Taylor. And mm-hmm. what they ended up doing was they they passed the ball to Travis Kelsey. That's all fine. They got 10 yards. They passed it to Tyreek. They got nine more yards. They're on the 44. They didn't need to go very far yeah. to get into field goal range. And so then incomplete pass to Tyreek. They got back to Tyreek for 10 yards. Now, they weren't able to stop the clock. So they had to go up and spike it. They, they lost on a 10-yard gain. They had 31 seconds left. On a 10-yard gain, they lost 14 seconds off the clock. They still had and a timeout. they did have a timeout, yeah. And they did have a timeout, and they didn't get out of bounds, and they didn't stop the clock. So they ran up, and they spiked the ball. They're at the Carolina 46. Then there was a pass to DeMarcus for five yards, and the clock ticks down to 11 seconds. They're on the Carolina 41. Pass short left for Daryl Williams, offensive pass interference on Travis Kelsey, which, uh, you know, but then they have to call timeout. They're no longer anywhere close to being in field goal range. I mean, they were on the Carolina 41. So from there, that's a 58 yard field goal. That's makeable. You know, Mm -hmm. like what you should be trying to do in that situation is maybe a short pass to the sideline somewhere, you know, you're looking for like an eight or a 10 yard out where you're trying to advance the ball. So it's in kind of a 50 ish yard field goal range, you know, high forties, low fifties. Spoiler alert. We'll see the Panthers try exactly that at the end of the fourth quarter, but keep going. Right. Exactly. And, and the chiefs didn't really defend it very well when, when the, the Panthers second game after they didn't defend it against the bills in the uh, exact uh, same two minute uh, ass run that we had. Yeah. Here. Yeah, exactly. Right. So then uh, the chiefs hit a 36 yarder to Travis Kelsey, but they just don't they don't have enough time on the clock. They have to run essentially a weird scramble drill at the end of the half and Demarcus Robinson fumbles the ball. And it wouldn't have mattered because the, the time expired. Like by the time he caught the ball, there wasn't any time left on the clock. They didn't well, there have wasn't time, time on the clock before that play. Yeah, it just if, the clock and, yeah, yeah. It was it was a horrible sequence of events. The discipline wasn't there, you know, there were penalties, there was Poor timeout usage, bad time management. The play calling was off. It just was bad. It was bad. And you're down four. You need and you're these down four. This yeah, isn't exactly. a 14 point halftime lead that the Chiefs just kind of pissed away the chance to make it 17. You could tell this game was going to be close all, all game because they were already down. So they needed every point they and could And you could tell that the Panthers were going to be aggressive. Yep. And you could tell that the defense didn't really have it in this game no. right like no. you could tell early on in this game that the defense was maybe going to get a stop or two but that this was going to be a shootout and this was a situation where you needed to get points and unfortunately the chiefs could not do it and i don't know what your level of concern is but certainly this is something that we've seen now a few times already this year at the end of halves and it is concerning i mean like it, 
it hasn't ended up costing the Chiefs because they're eight and one and the only game they lost, you know, it didn't come down to, wow, I really wish we'd been able to get three or seven at the end of the half. But, you know, it's something where against a better team that could have been the difference in the game. Yeah, it's it's definitely concerning because the in the bar is set so high for this team for execution. And we know that when everyone's heads are in the game, they're the most dangerous offense in football possibly ever, but certainly this year. And when they go out there and they look like, frankly, the Jets or one of these other idiot teams, it's frustrating because you know that they have better play calling than this. You know they have better execution than this. You know that the guy, the people are in place to not ever have this happen. So when it does happen, you, you watch it and you're like, where are my Chiefs? Where did they go? Like what – Whatever we're doing here, I do not expect them to ever screw up this badly. And now that it's happened two times and both times in crucial end of half, you know, clock management type of stuff, um, it I I sure hope this type of situation, if this were a playoff game and this is how they executed and they lost this game on a walk-off field goal, um, it's just, yeah, I, I'm a little concerned, but I think that when the lights are the brightest and when it is, when this game's going to matter the most, I do feel like they're going to tighten up the screws. We saw it in 2019, obviously. And, uh, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a little concerning for sure. And then the chiefs uh, get the ball back to start the third quarter and you figure, okay, they're down four against, we're going to go down and score a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to crank it up. They, they just had a dope touchdown the last time they scored. It's going to be all the same. But they couldn't quite get things going. They did drive down all the way to the Carolina 29-yard uh, yard line. But they just kind of, you know, they were running Le'Veon a couple times. And he had a couple four-yard runs, nothing too um, too spicy. They did hit Travis Kelsey on a really nice 29-yarder. Kelsey, real quick aside before we go back into this game. He's- this dude is a monster. And, I mean, we talk about his his goatness a lot and how he is underrated and all you know he's by far the best tight end in football and stuff but like this dude is on another level right now he's third in the nfl in receiving yards which is not that surprising but what was surprising to me i tweeted this he's third in the nfl in yak in yards after a catch so like crazy he just always and i don't think it's because he breaks a lot of you know some guys like terry mclaurin second in yak and that's because he catches the ball and he gets behind a defense and can take off for 80 yards or whatever. Kelsey isn't that type of yak receiver. He just, no, he's 31 years old <laughs> yeah, exactly. and he's a tight end. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's, he's not, not fast. He's not the guy that's going to make one guy miss and get 80 yards after the catch because he's just going to outrun everybody. Right. Like right. he used to do that when he had that screen pass against Denver that he took for 80. Yards, yeah. Shout out to that. That was exactly. That was but glorious. not anymore. Now he just, he's, he feels he's just picking it up on zone. every play, every play. Exactly. Every play has five or six or seven yards of yak, and it just adds up. There was a play in this game where he caught the ball and he went backwards, which mm-hmm. I hate it typically when he does this. I hate it when all of our guys do it. I especially hate it when Travis does it because he's old. He does it like on and half big and, You know, he doesn't, he's just not, he doesn't have quite the same burst that he used to have. But in this, uh-huh. he caught it and then he went backwards and then he somehow made it past like three guys to pick up like <laughs> five or six extra yards. Uh-huh. Like I just I don't understand like the the veteran savvy that he has at this stage of his career is unbelievable. I just want to, you know, he he already he currently shares an NFL record for tight ends with four one thousand yard seasons. He shares yeah. that record with Tony Gonzalez, uh, Kellen Winslow, Rob Gronkowski, and I think. 
Antonio Gates. Uh, uh, I think it's I think it's maybe uh, oh it's Jason Witten. It's Jason, Jason Witten. Jason Witten. And right. he, unlike any of those guys, has all four of those seasons in a row. The uh-huh. only other tight end to even have three 1,000-yard seasons in a row is Greg Olson. He's the other mm-hmm. guy that's – so Kelsey already has a record number of 1,000-yard seasons. He's tied with four other guys. He has a record number of 1,000-yard seasons in a row for a tight end with four, and he's on pace to do that again and shatter, shatter it. He's, on pace, he's yeah. on pace for almost 1,400 yards and yep. 10 he touchdowns. He would have to go from 85 a game, which he currently averages, to 50 a game in order to not get 1,000. So I, I mean, I that's – He's going to blow it away. He's going to blow it away. So he's going to have, at that point, he's going to have the most 1,000-yard tight end seasons in NFL history, a record all to his own. And he's going to extend the record that he already has for most consecutive 1,000-yard seasons by a tight end to five, which is two more than anybody else. It's crazy. Can we talk about his his GOAT potential? All-time number one? Yeah, we can. In fact, the last time I wrote an article for Sports Illustrated before life and everything kind of got in the way, it was around the time that we gave Travis Kelsey the extension. And the thing is, that article was kind of premised around the idea that he would get worse as he gets older, but not that much worse, right? Like he would follow the Tony Gonzalez path, which is, you know, a lot of production until he hits, you know, 31, 32, which is where he is right now. And -hmm. then going down to being like a seven or 800 yard guy and play until he's, you know, 38, 39 years old, like, or like Tony Gonzalez did. What I did not anticipate was him actually getting better, which is what appears to have happened because he's on pace for, I mean, this could be a career year for him. And he's 31 years old. It just is, it's extraordinary to think what he's doing and you know it's crazy it's crazy because the chiefs obviously like tony gonzalez certainly is in the conversation for the best tight end ever i think Uh, number one he is right yeah he's he's right he's right up there like if you want to argue peak and you want to say it's rob gronkowski fine but that's really the only other guy that you even can put in the conversation right like his longevity his receiving ability i know antonio gates has more touchdowns than him but just Tony Gonzalez was the best to ever do it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. he was also a chief for a really long time. And it's weird to think about the Chiefs having having another tight end who might end up surpassing Tony Gonzalez for the best. They could have one and two ever. I mean it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They're he's he's so fun and he's so underrated. And I say that knowing that everyone knows he's the best tight end in football right now, but I yeah, still do they know. I mean, I think they well, do. Right. I, I, right. I, I mean, Kittle, if Kittle at the top kind of the list, for sure. Exactly. If Kittle had been doing exactly what, what Kelsey was doing right now, people might say, all right, well, either way, he, he's, he's phenomenal. Chiefs go down and <laughs> back to the game. They have a, Second and 10, and then they have this horrible screen to Le'Veon that gets blown up for a five-yard loss. And then Pat gets sacked on third and 15 for another loss of five. So on fourth and 20, they had gotten down to the 19. Now they're at the 29, and Butker shanks a 48-yard field goal. And now the Panthers have the ball back with 11 minutes left in the third quarter with a four-point lead. What the hell, man? Yeah, not a great situation at all. Fortunately, while they're able to move the ball again on the Chiefs, which ends up being a pretty consistent theme, unfortunately, in this game. Joey Sly, who 
I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the sure. kicker Pantheon, but he's pretty good. Yeah. And he's got, he's got a hell of a leg, man. He's uh-huh. kicked some really long field goals in his career and he could not convert on a 51 yarder. So that gave the chiefs life. I mean, they got the ball at their own. They ended up getting the ball at their own 41. So that's, that's child's play for the chiefs. Travis Kelsey, <laughs> for three yards, Travis Kelsey for 44 yards. And then Tyreek with a little, uh, run off the left end for eight, and then Pat with a little pass to Clyde Edwards Hilaire for a four yard touchdown. Just an easy peasy, two minutes off the clock, you know, 60 yards, 59 yards down to the end zone, scored a touchdown. And suddenly the Chiefs are leading this game. And this was the kind of game where, you know, like I don't know about you, but my, you know, my, my thought typically in this kind of situation, especially facing a team like the Panthers, and not to, disrespect them at all but you really felt like or at least i did they went down they got this touchdown they went up 20 to 17 you thought this game is gonna be over like now the chiefs have taken the lead the the panthers kind of gave us their best shot and now you know we're the champions we're here we we have the lead and the chiefs then got a stop on this next drive and then go down and score another touchdown which went (laughs) back-to-back 26 yards, 28 yards to Tyreek into the end zone. Tyreek on two plays covering 52 yards into the end zone. I mean, it's just an incredible connection there. And now the Chiefs are up 26 to 17. And at that point, it was like, this this is, you know, send them home. But credit to the Panthers because they, they they kept fighting. They kept coming. Now, why were the Chiefs up 26 to 17 instead of 27 to 17? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the math on that one. Um, oh yeah, it's because Harrison Bucker uh, missed another extra point. Uh, it's starting to get silly at this point. Like, I-, I love Harrison Bucker. I'm a huge fan of his. But if you are an NFL kicker, you have to be able to kick extra points at an extremely high rate. We're approaching like historic lows. Certainly for the modern NFL, like. Yep. This is starting to become. I, I mean, I don't know. I have the worst the extra point kicker of all time. I mean, yeah, yeah, and 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 that's that's an embarrassment for us as Chiefs fans, just because it wasn't that long ago that we were getting into it with uh, Ravens fans over who the best kicker in the NFL was. Like right. that was a month ago, and right. now here we are, and people are laughing at us because our kicker can't hit extra points. Like it's a it's a bad situation, and. I don't know if it's a mechanical issue, you know, what, if he's got the yips, what exactly it is. He's been perfectly fine as a field goal kicker. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's missed one here and there, but he hasn't really been any worse than he has he's been. A in good field goal kicker. He's, he's a, a good really field goal. Field goal. He's a really yes. good field goal kicker statistically. And he's been very good from long range. Like he's got more range than he's ever had. Man, he just, can't, he just that, can't kick extra points. His so a perfect example of that. There was a 15 yard unnecessary roughness on Andrew Wiley on this extra point. So instead of kicking off from the 35 yard line, the Chiefs had to kick off from the 20. So anytime that happens in the NFL, the guys don't usually have the leg to hit a touchback from there because it's 15 yards. Usually they're not kicking it 15 yards out of the back of the end zone. So he goes up there and he must have been pissed after missing that extra point because he kicks it out of the back of the end zone from the 20. He kicked like a 90-yard kick there. It's, it's crazy. He's got I mean, a he's got giant leg. boot. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, it it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's one of those things that you just can't really explain. I just hope that he gets it sorted out before January and February because yeah. while it didn't 
end up mattering in this game. I don't think it ever has, has it? I don't think he's ever no, missed it hasn't. Point it hasn't. And the Chiefs have lost the game. This but game, it, it absolutely could have because yes. the Chiefs were clinging to a two point lead with the Panthers holding the ball after they unfortunately could not run out the clock with their last possession of the game. And the Panthers ended up trying a 67-yard field goal to try and win the game. But, man, if they had hit one more pass, Armani Watts on third and 10 with five seconds left yes, knocks down a pass intended for DJ Moore that would have put them in very makeable range for a field goal that had Harrison Butker made the extra point would have only tied the game and sent it to overtime. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. because Harrison Butker missed the extra point, you know, like if, if this game had happened, you know, if a butterfly had flapped its wings in a certain way in, in Ethiopia or whatever, before this game, you know, this could have turned out very bad. It would badly. have been a lot. Absolutely. If Joey Sly had hit this, it would have been, it would have been like the Titans game essentially last year. Well, right? Like that's, Let's yeah. talk about that 22nd final possession by the Chiefs offense. Yeah. It was dreadful. Again, I mean, about barely. Le'Veon <laughs> left guard for no gain on first and 10 when everyone knew the Chiefs were going to run. Timeout Panthers. And then Mahomes runs around, ends up losing six yards. They called it a run. It was basically there was no one there, and he just kind of went down. Timeout number two. And then the the, the one to Daryl is the one that I – and flabbergasted by. So it's yeah. 30 16. They have this hilariously cool triple stack lined up on the left side. And it looks like when, as soon as the ball touches Daryl Williams hands on this, on this screen pass, he's got nobody around. Him. I mean, it looks like he's going to score a touchdown. And then he just kind of plods along like Daryl Williams does. And then sure. the Panthers all converge on him and he ends up gaining three yards on what should have been a breakaway and but then again, it was just indicative of kind of how the execution was going there. Timeout Panthers get the ball right back. It was uh it was a very frustrating final possession for the Chiefs. They lucked out that the Panthers didn't end up, you know, they they played a really, really tough game, the Panthers did, as we've talked about. They they really wanted to win. Uh, Matt Rule, the Panthers head coach after the game, actually like several days after the game, I think I saw this quote on Tuesday when someone asked him how the guys were doing after taking the Chiefs down to the wire. He said, we're pissed off. Like we, we had that game. We should have won that game. And I think he's right. I mean, I think the Panthers were the better team that day. They just didn't have the better quarterback. Mahomes was amazing. Yeah, we've we've somehow – yeah. Kind of buried the lead here until the very end because <laughs> we need right. to move on and get into our mailbag. But right. Patrick Mahomes became the second quarterback ever in NFL history to have back-to-back 350-plus yard games with four touchdowns and four-plus touchdowns and no turnovers. He did it last week against the Jets. He did it this week against the Panthers, 372, four, and no interceptions. He was incredible and he had to be in a game that the chiefs won by two points in a game where the chiefs couldn't run the ball in a game where they they had under 22 minutes time of possession they lost the turnover battle their field goal kicker couldn't hit an extra point you know like he had to be perfect more or less and he was more or less perfect he he now should be. He he isn't necessarily. I don't think Bovada has him as the MVP favorite right now, but he absolutely should be. I, I I just don't see how, especially on a day when Russell Wilson 
faltered a little bit and and got blown out by the Bills and turned the ball over. I think what three four times. I think it was he had four. three interceptions or two interceptions and two fumbles. He had four turnovers and he he did throw three hundred ninety yards, but he got his ass kicked. They lost by the Bills know, by yep. ten to the Bills, yep. and they it wasn't even they ended up scoring late to cut it to ten. I mean they, that game wasn't close the whole game and. Yeah, he uh, he now has eight picks on the year. He threw it. He had another bad um, couple picks against the Cardinals when they lost their other game of the year. So I mean, you know, and and Shannon Sharp was talking about this. I I try to stay away from um, undisputed just because I hate Skip so much. But I, I do like <laughs> yep. to get the Skip. I do like to get the Shannon highlights because I like him a lot. And yeah, he's great. He's he an was talking. Chief. He is absolutely. And he was talking about how it's absurd that Mahomes worst game of the year and really this is this has been the story of his whole career his yes. worst games are incredible i mean yes. they are the bar that he's set for himself is so high so so high that it's just you know everyone else goes out there and has a dud aaron rodgers had a dud against the bucks obviously oh tom, tom brady had a tom brady had dud. the biggest dud i've ever seen tom brady have and probably it literally the was the worst game of tom brady's career by qbr i mean yeah. monday night and it, it was, was on prime time in a division matchup <laughs> against the Brees and the saints it was a huge yeah. matchup against a team that just, he was facing for the second time too i yes. mean just mm-hmm. and and mahomes worst game this year in the loss to the raiders he still for, threw for 340 yards and two touchdowns and one pick and was still – put up 32 points, and that's his worst game. So there's just a lot uh, – people – MVP tends to kind of be a discussion about the moment. It always kind of has drifted that way, and whoever is just coming off of two or three amazing games usually takes the lead in the conversation. And Mahomes has been so – he has had two weeks back-to-back that – I would imagine Russell Wilson probably hasn't ever had. And Russell's yeah. had some great passing numbers. He's a great quarterback. But, like, I don't think he's ever had back-to-back 354 touch. Oh, no one has. That's why. Right, <laughs> right. So No one has, except so, Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady did it in 2007. Uh, he had back-to-back what? Oh, because Mahomes yeah. is the second quarterback ever to do that. Gotcha. Yes, Tom yeah. Brady was the first one to do it in, in a year. undefeated 50-touchdown yeah. year. Yes, and- in a year where coming off Spygate, where the Patriots were <laughs> literally trying to run up the score on every team that they played, where they were literally like they were trying to blow teams out and embarrass yeah. teams, and they just wanted they to tell – they just wanted to give the middle finger to the entire NFL, and they did. Chiefs aren't even trying to do that. They're just nope. trying to win games. And nope. they, so Patrick is just casually – in the course of being Patrick and trying to win games, setting records and putting up unbelievable numbers. Let's close the book on this game. Goodbye to the Panthers. We'll see you in four years. It was a fun little, it was a fun hey little man, We might see them in the Super Bowl. We might, we might. We uh, we certainly will see Matt Rule again. I feel pretty comfortable saying that he's probably going to be around still in four years. He looks like a heck of a coach. They played a great game. Hats off to him. Let's, uh, let's, skim through some news here really quickly uh mccall hardman is on the COVID list he tweeted that he is fine uh this prompted a question from me because anthony sherman was placed on the COVID list like a month ago Uh, is he fine do we know what where he is what what is going on with anthony sherman what is happening (laughs) we need to send the sheriffs out to the sherman house and make sure that he's still alive my God, we do. We need the sausage back. Uh, the other piece of news, we kind of have already talked about this a little bit, but 
Uh, this has been blowing up on Twitter today, so I do want to mention it. Listen, I love PFF. I appreciate what they're trying to do. We have our good friend Sam Hayes on here. He does run the Chiefs PFF Twitter account and and does some some work for them. So I certainly don't want this to come across as an attack on him at all. The PFF put out their, their top five quarterbacks of the year by their grading. And Patrick Mahomes was fourth behind Russell Wilson. Okay, that's fine. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, I, I could see that happening. Look, I've not watched every Packers game. You know, I know PFF is graded on a play-by-play basis. They've watched all those games. Your graders have whatever. Patrick Mahomes was fourth behind Tom Brady. Who? Uh, who yeah, you may have caught him on primetime this week, <laughs> putting up three points in an absolute beatdown at the hands of the New Orleans Saints. And listen, I get that the box score is a little bit misleading. You know, Pat had a play this week that probably should have been picked off. It went off the linebacker's hands. You know, he's had some turnover worthy plays. I think PFF said that he ranks third in dropped interceptions this year. But listen, there's no way that Tom Brady is having a better year than Patrick Mahomes. That is insane. Okay. Any person that thinks that is a savage and an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's mind numbing. It really is. Uh, just the I know PFF, like you said, grades every play. So this is but but big picture wise, Tom Brady twenty three ninety eight passing yards, Mahomes twenty six eighty seven. So he has three hundred yards more passing in the same number of games. He has twenty five touchdowns. Mahomes does to twenty for Brady. He has one interception to Brady's seven. I mean, it. it the quarterback rating is 116 for Mahomes and 96 for Brady. I know that there are – Sam Munson was saying that Brady's box scores look worse than his performance and Mahomes' box scores look better than his performance. That's okay. fine. What, whatever you want to okay. say there, however you want to qualify how they've been doing, there's just if, – if the grading shows that Mahomes and Brady are on the same level, the grading's off. That's basically what it comes down to. I, I, you have to fix your system if that's if that's what it's telling. Yeah, and listen, Tom Brady has the benefit of playing behind maybe the best offensive line in the NFL. Certainly a top. He's one, yeah. he's been his receivers have had some injuries. Chris Godwin has been dealing with some injuries. Mike Evans has been dealing with some injuries. You know, Rob Gronkowski is a shell of his former self. But listen, the guy has a ton of weapons and the best offensive line in the NFL. And his box score numbers look worse. Are you trying to tell me that he's better than Patrick Mahomes, who has a much worse offensive line, probably a pretty comparable cast of receivers, and has just dramatically better numbers? I just that's it doesn't make any sense. I we got to move on because I'm just going to get heated about this. We could spend the entire podcast talking about how stupid that is. But we got to get into the mailbag. We we've been negligent. We got to give back. Mm-hmm. We got to get back to our listeners. We got a lot of mailbag questions to burn through. Starting with one of our birds of war, Polish Chiefs fan <laughs> PKS yeah! for the pod. No research, please. As the hosts of the number three rated NFL podcast in Poland. Unfortunately, the formerly number three rated NFL podcast in Poland. We got to bump those numbers back up. PKS. Yeah. Uh, we peaked the word at number league. three, though, and that's, that's important. We peaked at number three. We peaked early. We peaked early. Uh, he asks us, what do you actually know about Poland? I'm going to take this one, Taylor, because I know a lot more about geography and history than you. I'm just going to rattle off some Polish facts. I did not do any research for this. I'm just going to see what I can recite off the top of my head about Poland. So the capital of Poland 
is Warsaw. They knew were that. part of the what's that? I said knew that. Okay, Just good. Kidding. Well, good. That's great. We're on the same page there. Uh, part of the the former Soviet bloc, um, unfortunately, against their will. Lequalesa solidarity. Uh, I think they were part of the Holy Roman Empire. They were part of Prussia at one point. You know, they've been a part of a lot of different things, which is cool. <laughs> team for, players. For Poland. Yeah, yeah, team players, for sure. Um, let's see. Can I name any other cities in Poland off the top of my head? Krakow is a city in Poland. Um, Poland, Poland, Poland. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I know a little bit about Poland. Um, it's a lovely country. I would love to go visit it uh, someday. I've been right next door. I've been to Germany. Um not not the next door neighbors that the poles probably uh want and love i don't know if that's uh if that's bygones be bygones now at this point or not but anyway uh pks we really appreciate you as one of our international listeners we have quite a few um but you're you're one of the ones that put us on the map we have a whole podcast named after you um so you know that was that was what episode three episode four so we really appreciate your support and uh we uh we appreciate the question buddy we do uh, we've got another bird of war, Zach, the layman's terms. Kaka! And he said, uh, Taylor and Austin, suppose Andy had to retire. And I'm going to say Andy gets to retire. Not he had to retire. Yeah, but sure. He, Andy, he gets, Andy he gets to retire. Top. And EB got a head coaching gig elsewhere. What are your top three head coaching candidates you would want Clark to bring in? Belichick is also retired. Okay. So for me, it kind of depends a little bit on if we're counting anybody, like, can I, can I steal from any organization or, you know, if it's just whoever's available, but I'm going to go with one guy from inside the organization, one from the NFL at large and one from college. So inside the organization, Andy's retired and Eric B is gone. He got a well-deserved head coaching gig. So I think the guy inside the house that I'd want is Mike Kafka. Give him some run. He was essentially Pat's private quarterback coach when, The Chiefs drafted uh, Mahomes in 2017. Mike Kafka was the quarterback's coach, but you had a veteran quarterback and Matt Nagy was the offense coordinator. And so, you know, Nagy's spending his time with Alex Smith. Uh, Obviously, Andy Reid probably spending the bulk of his time running the offense with Alex Smith. Mike Kafka was kind of devoting all his time to Patrick Mahomes and has been credited with giving him a uh, a lot of good development. Um, and then he supposedly was kind of on the block, like the the Eagles, I think, were trying to poach him to be their offensive coordinator. And so the Chiefs kind of gave him a raise and a new title. He's the passing game coordinator now as well. So you'd like to see what he could do with the offense. He's probably got some, some cool ideas. Uh, college, I don't watch a lot of college football but i when i do i watch uh, i like watching oklahoma's offense lincoln riley has obviously been a big name seems like oklahoma is going to pay him any amount of money to keep him uh you keep him in norman but it would be fun to see what he could do with an nfl offense for sure and for the nfl you know if belichick's gone he's off the table and we can pick anybody i would go with sean payton I think the fact that the Saints can run the offense that they run every year with a quarterback that can only throw 25 yards is like incredible. Like, listen, I get Drew Brees amazing on a mental level. He's very accurate, but like the guy can't throw the ball downfield at all. And yet the Saints still have a very functional offense. I think he's he's been very vocal about his love of the chiefs too. Like there was an interview he did with Drew Brees where they were asked the most dangerous player in football is, and they answered Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And there were a lot of rumors in the 2017 draft that the Saints were going to take Mahomes at number 11 if the Chiefs had not taken him at number 10. They ended up taking Marshawn Lattimore. 
but supposedly uh, the Saints were going to draft Mahomes if the Chiefs had not moved up to number 10 and taken him in Buffalo spot. So I think it would be incredible to see what Sean Payton could do with Mahomes and the skill players we have here in Kansas city. Uh, if we have to go with a guy who might realistically be available, <laughs> I sadly am going to have to go with Matt Nagy or Doug Peterson. Um, <laughs> the Dougie is probably going to have a division title, but man, the Eagles are going to probably finish below 500 and the bears are still above 500 somehow, but man, I <sighs> Probably not for much longer. What about you? Well, um, I think Kafka makes a ton of sense. When I was, I, I kind of approached it from the same way that of just like internal and then NFL and college. And um, the only other person I thought of that kind of has some buzz on the Chiefs, they obviously because they he said EB would be hired away. Uh, so I was thinking Matt House might be uh, uh, someone that eventually is going to get groomed into a head coaching position. Probably not here in the foreseeable future, but um, he's a guy that I at least think will have a head coach, an NFL head coaching job someday. Also Spags. Spags has been an NFL head coach and could clearly step into that role, I think, pretty easily on this team. Um, Riley is a really good coach and, you know, young and runs a fun offense. Um, I would want to pick an older guy like Nick Saban from college. Just I just feel like you want to probably go for some youth there. Um, or maybe Dabo Sweeney from Clemson. He's 50. Um, but I, you know, he kind of, he's such a player's coach. I feel like he probably likes recruiting too much to come to the NFL. I think he would probably. He likes, uh, you know, teenagers and, uh, (laughs) I wasn't going to say it, but he, uh, he most certainly, yes, exactly. Um, from the NFL at large, I would have said Sean McVay easily about a year ago. Uh, I'm not quite so sold on him these days. I think he's still a good coach, but he's not the guy that I would be like, Oh, I got to I got to pick that guy. Um, you know, it'd be really fun having Mahomes would be bringing Cliff Kingsbury. In. Um, he, you yeah, know, he's kind of, he's kind of like the new McVay. Kyler's amazing. I'm sure he'd love to work with Mahomes again. Um, he clearly runs a good offense and I think Cliff knows what he's doing. So that would be fun. Um, but again, that's all, that's not availability because he's not going anywhere in Arizona. That's just a, no. a wish list type of thing. Sure. So, right. No, one question, you. Zach. That's uh, it's good to just at least think about, even though um, Andy doesn't seem like he's going anywhere, it's kind of funny to think about what everybody else could do in this type of situation. Zach did have another question for us. He said, <laughs> This is an interesting hypothetical. You are given a guarantee to go to every Super Bowl for the next seven years. Sold. But, I'm doing it. I'll take but it. But the requirement is starting Ben Neiman on every defensive <laughs> snap. <laughs> And uh, Nick Kaiser on every offensive snap as tight end one. Ooh. You take it or not? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll let you handle this one. I that well, that grosses me out. That grosses me so, out. So, I mean, we're almost there already, aren't we? Ben Neiman plays a lot, and Kaiser does too. I mean, they're both kind of already, you know, pretty integral parts of this team. Obviously, um, you have a big difference. You'd have to get creative to keep Kelsey on the field with Kaiser being the tight end one. So you'd have to basically list Kelsey as a receiver and still split him out, which the Chiefs could easily do. He's still, but um, I think the Chiefs could be competitive in all seven of those Super Bowls with those players playing on each side of the ball. I'm, I, I, I feel like there's not really, you're not really taking a ton away. It's not like you're starting someone else, a quarterback or any of those things. You're just kind of, you know, working around a, a dead spot there. But the secret here is that they might get to all seven without any sort of stipulations. Like they, they might just do it without this. So I'll take the bet because they'd probably win at least five of them. And I do like the idea of guaranteeing showing up in 
you know, the next seven, but my heart says to pass on it and just let it happen naturally. I like that. And I, I just couldn't listen. Ben Neiman right now is hard to watch. Ben Neiman in mm-hmm. seven years when he loses ah, couple steps. Oh, shit. Woof. That's good. No, I just can't, I can't do it. Uh, let's roll on to the next series of questions here, man. We got a bunch of amazing questions from our man, Jordan Scarron, a bird of war <laughs> extraordinaire. Kaka, 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 kaka. We appreciate uh, you, Jordan. We really do because he gave us a bunch of good material here. And we're going to answer like all of these because they're all great questions. So finish the latest spot on my drive home from work. Loved hearing you guys get back to drafting things. Got me thinking of a fun draft. If you had to draft one sunny character to provide color commentary for your life, who would it be and why? So drafting one is just, it's just, it's just piff. It's just picking, but we're going to, we're going to do a draft. Um, my choice to provide commentary for my life would be Jan, <laughs> the, one-off, <laughs> the one-off character from the, yeah, from Mac and Charlie die part two. The glory hole. I just really enjoy his accent. And, uh, you know, he basically provides narration in the show. You know, he's talking about the Three's Company situation. You know, <laughs> oh, it's an awful man. It was an awful man. So I think he would be very funny. He just has a very, uh, he just has a very funny voice. I think it would just, it would really, yeah. uh, it would really point my life in the right direction. Which that way would you? a great pick. I, I knew you'd pick somebody good. Um, <laughs> I, uh, my choice would be Rickety Cricket. He's got some of the absolute best monologues in the whole show. Very flowery, very descriptive. Um, he would weave in some horrifying stories about his time on the streets, basically no matter what's happening in front of him, about times that he got into situations that are just appalling. And uh, I think that would make for some really fun color commentary. So I went yeah. with Crick there. Um, he's he's uh, always the life of the party for sure. Uh, Jordan's next question is where we're going to do a little mini draft. He wanted us to draft Always Sunny Seasons. Mm, and I like it. So for... Uh, listeners that aren't necessarily familiar with the show, this might not make a ton of sense to you, but um, Austin and I know every episode of the show by heart, basically. So uh, I believe, if my notes are correct, you picked number one last time. That's right. I don't remember what the draft was, but I had written down that. Yeah, but no, that's right. Okay. I, you, so, yes, I, I think that's right. So you're. Fortunately, there's about three that I think are all worthy of being picked number one. So you'll get two of those and I'll get one of them. But um, I have to pick season eight. I of course. I think that's the the clear front runner. Um, I'll just go over a couple of the episodes in there that are absolute highlights. Um, gang recycles their trash. They go over a lot of old bits, which are all really, really funny. Um, Charlie and Dee find love. It's got Alexander Daddario in it, who is perfect. And uh, just a really good little Les on Dangereux situation there. Um, <laughs> gets analyzed uh, where Dennis has the best monologue in the entire entire show about you know flipping the switch and it's perfect uh Frank's back in business with the warthog and with Charlie trying to you know Man, swim with the sharks every business. every episode is a banger uh Charlie rules the world gang dines out and the serial defense are all I mean it's just all 10 episodes are perfect um and even recycles their trash essentially the clip show is it's great. Oh, it's Seconds of Trash is one of my favorites of it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's my pick for number one. I think that was a pretty clear cut. And I'm guessing I know the two that you're going to go for, but why don't you? Yeah, 
that one would have been number one on my board as well. So I will go ahead and take season four with the second overall pick in the draft. This one has a lot of all-time classic Sunny episodes. I think a lot of the people that watch this show or just know a little bit about the show um, know this season quite well. It starts off with Mac and Dennis Manhunters, which has been at different points in time my favorite episode, and then rolls into Solves the Gas Crisis, which is uh, an all-time classic, which many people are very familiar with. This has got some underrated ones on it too. Some sleeper picks. Max banging the waitress is a very funny there episode, which I which I really quite enjoy from start to finish. An underrated episode. Uh, Mac and Charlie die parts one and two. I just referenced that with my yawn pick. Mm-hmm. This one, obviously, I think what would have kept it from being number one on my board is there are some there are some stinkers on this one. You know, like uh, gang. Gang cracks the Liberty Bell. I'm not super into. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but but uh, all in all, a strong season from top to bottom. It ends with the Nightman cometh, which of course is is a classic. And it's got Sweetie has a heart attack, which has the most famous scene in Sunny history with Charlie and the Pepe Sylvia. And I mean, that's the one that I feel like if you ask a stranger to talk about a single from Always Sunny, it's always Sunny. You know, that meme gets shared around a ton, and I I just think that's a that's an iconic moment in Sunny history. So that's yeah. So for me, I'm going to go back to back here. My my third overall pick is going to be season five. I'm just going to go right right into season five. That yeah. starts off with Exploits the Mortgage Crisis, which is classic. Got the Shantytown situation, uh, <laughs> the Great Recession, Waitress is Getting Married, which is another underrated episode. And it has the all-time best episode of Sunny. I think Ooh. we're on the same page about this. The Gang Wrestles for the Troops, yes. Season 5, Episode 7. This has, got, uh, this has got some absolute bangers. It's maybe not as famous the episodes are, but uh, close, Pub, home of the original mm-hmm. kittens, wrestles for the troops, Dennis system, which Dennis system is, also might be the most famous bit in the show. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's Dennis very system is, is certainly a famous one as well. So that's gotta be my, those are my top two picks. And I feel, I feel very good about having those two on my board. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think the top three seasons are, are mostly interchangeable as far as their perfection. I mean, they're all three fantastic. Um, obviously we named our pod episode or pod cast after this. So we love the whole show. Um, I was thinking for my next one, I'm going to go number three, season three, which That's good uh, good is a really good one. It's also got 15 episodes. So there are a lot of good ones to choose from. Um, Dumpster Baby's great with just to get a base. Um, the gang gets invincible is one of our all time favorites that we quote all the time with uh, the gang playing football and going to the link and all that great, great action there. Set Sweet D on fire. Sweet D's dating retarded person with Lil Kev. That one's great. Max is serial killer. I mean, that one is an all-timer for me. That one's super, super good. Oh, it's great. It's great. Uh, Gang gets whacked one and two. I mean, just, just, and dances their ass off. So a lot of our favorites uh, from there. I, I like three a lot. And then for the fifth overall pick, um, I, I bounced around. I think I'm going to end up settling on seven for one reason in particular. I mean, they're all great. Uh, seven, the reason that I like it is because it probably has my second favorite episode of all time, which is Frank's Pretty Woman. Roxy is my favorite side character. It's got all the bits with, can I give you an offer you an egg in this trying time? <laughs> and, I mean, just some really, really, Roxy has some of the best quotes, shut up baby dick and, 
and this jacket's tighter than dick skin. And yeah, she's just, Roxy would have been a super pick in our lives. That would have been. It, it, yeah, she would have been really fun. You know, you're becoming the gross crew, and it's got Fat Mac <laughs> injecting the insulin and eating the chimichangas and going to the doctor and try movie, bro. I mean, Frank's Pretty Woman's maybe my second favorite behind Russell's for the Troops. It's also got uh, Sweet D gets audited and uh, oh, Storm of Century. Which is one of my favorite episodes. I was uh, really Jersey hoping Shore, yeah. that season seven would fall to me. <laughs> sure, Sixth pick. So, so that not. was a good one. You you really hurt me. You wounded me <laughs> with that for sure. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with season six. And this is a tough choice, but there are some good there's some good ones on this season. Um this has got Mac fights gay marriage, which is a classic, and Dennis yeah. gets divorced, which are not technically two parters, but they are sort of intertwined episodes. So it's not a part uh-huh. one or two situation. But those are two pretty strong episodes to kick the season off. Gang buys a boat is a fantastic episode that fantastic. has, a, you know, of course, the very famous because of the implication <laughs> scene and bit, which is one of the one of the all time greats. I mean, that's really Gang buys a boat is the the backbone of this pick. Uh, this season's pick, but it's got yeah. some other ones too. Gang gets a new member is kind of fun with Schmitty. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, sure. And uh, D. Reynolds shaping America's youth kind of fun. Charlie Kelly, King of the Rats. I mean, that's that's King always fun. You know, what's your spaghetti policy here? Uh, yeah, yeah. Denim chicken. That's a good episode. It's it's got yeah. some it's got some some strong episodes in here. And then I'm going to go to I'm going to go to season nine and. Damn. Season nine, I mean, season nine's got some great ones. So Mac Day, which has got just a fantastic... (laughs) Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott as Country Mac. Uh, Flowers for Charlie, which is just a fantastic (laughs) episode where Charlie takes the (laughs) placebo, placebo, where he uh, creates a machine that allows spiders to talk to cats. Uh, That's just a good one. Gang Gets Quarantined is kind of a little bit underrated, and maybe it's just because we've lived through a quarantine now. Uh, gang buys a or Mac and Dennis buy a timeshare. I feel really good about getting this one with the seventh overall pick. There's a lot of strong episodes on this season. I, I was I was quite hoping that nine would fall to me as well because I love buys a timeshare. I think that's yeah, one so of my all time favorites. Obviously, right, anytime the maniacs right, involved. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm gonna go. It, there are some interesting. The later seasons and early seasons, while they have some highlights, are definitely not ones that I would immediately um, go to. But obviously, we have drafted now <laughs> uh, eight seasons or whatever, so there are only a couple left. I'm going to go with season 11. And the reason that I'm going for 11, I kind of pick out some of my favorites that are still remaining of episodes. And this one has two absolute killer episodes that I still watch all the time, which is Mac and Dennis moved to the suburbs, which is just, <laughs> just perfect from start to finish. It's an absolute great, just boil down of Mac and Dennis's uh, relationship and all their, all their fun stuff they do there with the, the Max famous Mac and cheese and all that great stuff. And Wally, it's a hot one. That's great. And the other one that I love in that one is McPoyle versus Ponderosa trial of the century. That's got your Twitter avatar in it with Charlie, with the, the glasses and in court and doing the, the bird lawyer stuff. That one's a absolute classic. Um, uh, gang hits the slopes is oh, another one say. that 
is yeah. just absolutely I, I watch it over and over. It, That's it, it the kinda, best episode it, of that season, I think. Yeah, it uh it grew on me when I remember when you first mentioned that you really liked Gang Hits of State. I was like, really? I don't really remember much about that one. Oh, and then I watched great. it again and I was dying laughing. And it's got I, Charlie McDennis too. I mean it's it's a good one. Yeah. What's your final pick? So my final pick is going to be season two. Really? And season, okay. Yeah. I, I like um, Dennis and Deco on welfare, where they sing, Oh, baby, you, you got what I need. That one, man, that one kills me every time. Max Bang and Dennis's mom is great. $100 Baby. $100 Baby is one of the great early episodes of the show. It is. That's true. Um, and exploits a miracle and runs for office with so do Philadelphia. I mean, they're. <laughs> it, it's Charlie goes American of, all over everybody's ass. It, rock flag it, and exactly. Eagle. <laughs> exactly. So two's, uh, two's a lot of fun. I like uh, I like that you brought that one up because uh, we already talked about season eight, which is our favorite. I I love that there's a callback in season eight to season two, the Rock Flag yeah. and Eagle, right, Charlie? I mean, it just yeah. it's such a good they, show. But they I will never very, forget their own jokes. I will very happily with my final pick take season twelve, which has nice. the gang turns black, black, which is a fantastic episode. That's worth it at the final pick. Um, for that episode alone, but it also has Wolf Cola, a public relations nightmare, which <laughs> yeah. I really, really, which I really, really enjoy. That's one of my favorite uh, later season episodes. Gang goes to a water park is pretty good. Water park, um, yeah, Gang Tens Bar is actually kind of fun and underrated. Huh? Uh, a Cricket's Tale. It ends with a very strange Dennis's double life. I mean, they they get into some weird stuff. Oh, and it has making Dennis Reynolds a murderer. If you guys have ever seen making a murderer, it's, it's a it's a very well executed episode and very funny. And it has, um, of course, Maureen as the Catwoman. Uh, nice. Just a very goofy, strange episode. So that's that's what we've got for the draft. That was fun. Uh, that was great. Thank you for that question, Jordan. Among all of your other questions, we're going to keep on banging down through these um, these mailbag questions he had. I like this one a lot. If you could hack Apple and install an album on everyone's library, first of all, first of all, Jordan, a lot of us have Android, so it's not just hacking Apple. But I, the point of this would be, what album would you put on? Yeah, Android? but because you have Android, they would never force you to have an album <laughs> on your phone, yeah, unlike yeah, Apple, fair. which that's did fair. force me to have a U2 album, which I removed. And then when right. I updated my phone, it came back. And it's oh, yeah. very, very difficult to get it off of my phone. It's still on there. I'm still salty about it. <laughs> YouTube sucks. What would be your answer for this question, Taylor? So I'm going to use my powers here to give a boost to a local band that I love and whose lives would change with that type of exposure. And that is a rock group called Me Like Bees. Their debut album, The Ides, would be my album of choice to put on everyone's phones. They have a very polished sound. They're heavily influenced by like Modest Mouse, among other bands. And they're from Joplin, Missouri. So, uh, they deserve the worldwide publicity from something like this. I think that would be um, a lot of fun. I don't know if maybe he's looking for something a little bit more recognizable. And if I had to pick a more famous album, I would go with the band Tools' most recent album, Fear Inoculum. I think it's fantastic. There are uh, six songs over 10 minutes in length on each song on that album. So uh, just a lot of, lot, of good, lot of good, great rock on that. Yeah, uh, that's this is an interesting question, and you went a different direction with it, which has me rethinking my whole answer here because I was just going to go with like, what's my favorite album? Favorite that's extremely yeah. listenable, and that you know I would want everybody else to kind of experience and enjoy with me, which for me would probably be. So I think my favorite mm-hmm. album is uh, it is the Who and it's Quadrophenia. 
But Quadrophenia is not a very accessible album. It's very British. Americans don't really tend to get it. You kind of need to like understand what was going on in England in the 70s to like, you know, understand what the songs are all about. So Quadrophenia probably wouldn't be a great choice. I probably was going to go with a more mainstream, popular Who album, Who's Next, which has all of the Who oh, songs yeah. that everybody loves behind Blue Eyes and Babo Ryan. All the good ones. All we'll the hits. Get the end. <laughs> all the good ones, all the hits. That's what I was going to hack and put on there. Um, but man, if I was going to give a, a I, I don't know, I'm not really into like indie music or anything like that. I don't know, like a, a band that is less popular than America, I would probably put on something like Deep Purple, which is very popular in Europe, they did Smoke on the Water, which is all sure. Americans really know it for. But I'd pop on uh, pop on Machine Head, which does have Smoke on the Water on it. So you know, people could. Okay, I don't think I've ever listened to any Deep Purple other than Smoke on the Water. Uh, well, listen, Deep Purple is great. I could spend the rest of the podcast talking about how great Deep Purple is, but I won't do that because <laughs> we have many other questions to get to. Uh, yeah. Great question, Jordan. You're just you're just continuing to turn out bangers. We have another one from him. Do the Patriots draft a new QB or find another aging free agent for next year? How long does Bill have without Tom? What's Bill doing in that coil? You just just never really know with him. Uh, I think they might like Jared Stidham quite a bit still, but they kind of tied their own hands when they brought Cam in. You know, like they they brought him in because they thought maybe they were going to be competitive, and he did look extremely good until he got COVID. I mean, he looked like he was back, and then he just has not had – that same um, that same ability after he got back. So I think they let Cam walk, and they probably roll with Jared Stidham next year and either keep Brian Hoyer as his backup or maybe like bring in another old backup. But, you know, you just never really know with Bill. Uh, and for the second part of that, he's 68. I can't imagine him wanting to do this for very much longer, especially if they aren't winning Super Bowls. I, mean, I just – I don't think he's got it in him to, for the – maybe he does, I don't know. But I'm going to go with uh, – uh, I'm going to – I'm going to say he's not around too much longer. We'll see. Uh, the thing about the Patriots is they do have a ton of cap space for next year when guys are probably going to be pretty cheap because the cap isn't going to go up and actually might go down. So who knows? Could be interesting. Um, another one from Jordan. When the Chiefs had cream, the running back wheel out of the backfield was a huge success. Is this a play we return to in the back half of the season with Bell and Clyde edwards Lair? What is the new wrinkle of offense Andy Reid created this year? I think we... We kind of saw it a little bit this week. (laughs) Quarterback motion. Quarterback (laughs) motion. Um, I think that what's cool about the Chiefs at this stage where they've won a championship, where Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have a couple of years together and hopefully four or five years more at least together on Andy's current contract. I think what's cool about it is that they don't – I think Andy reinvented his offense – a little bit every year when he had Alex Smith because he had to. And I think a lot of the things that he added in terms of the RPOs and the running back routes and things like that, I think a lot of that was innovation out of necessity that like, Hey, I need to add this stuff to the playbook because it's something that my quarterback that takes advantage of his limited skill set and can make the offense function. And I think what's cool Mm -hmm. about where we're at now with the chiefs is that they don't have to do that, but they clearly are still doing it. And there clearly is so much in this playbook that they just don't run on a week-to-week basis. We saw it in the playoffs last year. We've seen it on occasion, like one or two plays a game. But it's not like 
you know, week one, 2017 against the Patriots where they came out and they ran like this totally crazy offense with all these new RPOs and things like that and put all this stuff on tape in the first week of the season. They're just sprinkling on like one or two plays a week. And then obviously in the Super Bowl, we saw, you know, Rose Bowl and Wasp and kind of some of these plays that are newer and more innovative. I think like we're just going to, it's not going to be like a flood. Like he's not going to dump mm-hmm. this whole new book of Andy plays out in the first three or four weeks of the season. Like dude, there we're, like we're, we're saving them. We're saving them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think that's fair. Um, why hasn't Ricky seals Jones been active pretty much <laughs> at all? I think he maybe sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably why. I don't know. That's what a bummer. I I had high hopes for him, but uh, I think that's probably it's probably the reason. It could also be that he can't block, which is part of. Well, I think you kind of already covered it. Um, <laughs> he asks us way too early draft picks. Uh, we're not going to play that game. Sorry, Jordan, but it, it's a good it's a good question, but not not for us. We're we'll pass on that one. Um, we've got one from James Partridge at five. You can tell how long it's been since we cleaned out the mailbag because he asks in honor of Patrick Holmes and Brittany Matthews getting engaged, which was like a month ago. How did real bird lawyer propose to his wife? Same question for at Taylor Witt. If he is engaged, he does not mention it. If he is, he is not, he's totally single ladies. He's available. Uh, Yeah. I, I am happily married and I proposed to my wife at union station in Kansas city. I, which is trite, but I will tell you the unique spin that I had on it was uh, she is a museum educator. And so I made like a museum exhibit. I got like some shadow boards together and I put like some photos in there and I put some captions on there and things like that. And I set it up on the balcony up there and uh, just had one of her friends, you know, happen to say like, Oh, let's go up here and check this out. And uh, it all worked out. So, uh, you know, she said, yes. So, so it worked. Um, we've got kind of a tag tag team question here. This one was from way, way back in Mm -hmm. August, uh, but from our man, Corey O'Forty, the artist chief and James McGregor at Mack truck, 2087. So they're they're They were kind of riffing on Twitter and then they wanted to turn it into a mailbag question. They were asking what Jersey we were wearing for opening night. But since that was like, you know, two months ago. We're going to update this and go with the times just with your favorite game day Jersey. What, what do you like to wear? So I've got this real clean white Mahomes Super Bowl Jersey that I bought literally the moment after the Super Bowl, after the, when the chiefs put it on sales, got the Super Bowl logo in the top corner. Um, I, I'm not really one of those people that like doesn't wear it. Cause I'm worried about it getting dirty or whatever. Like that's my, that's my Mahomes Jersey. And I actually, am now the proud owner of three Mahomes jerseys. I am not rich, but I do spend my money on chief stuff a lot. And uh, so I've got a red Mahomes jersey. I've got this white Super Bowl one, and I have a brand new Royals gold Mahomes jersey that I just nice. got. So uh, I don't think I've so even that, seen that one yet. Yeah, yeah, it's it just um, just came. So, anyways, I my favorite one is definitely my white my white Mahomes Super. Uh, I have a white and a red. I also have multiple Mahomes jerseys. And this was not limited to which Mahomes jersey you're going to wear. But that's obviously just the direction that we took it in. I will say just a shout out to us, but we were amongst the first people to own Mahomes jerseys. I, I, we went to the Tyreek Hill charity basketball game back in twenty early 2018. It would have been May of 2018 before he mm-hmm. became 
the full-time starter he had one start in before he he had one start in the nfl I mean, in fact we ordered our jerseys after that first start and then uh-huh. new year's eve in 20 uh well 17. yeah 2017 2017 yep. new year's eve december 31st in denver uh we ordered those well, we knew, buddy. We knew we have the receipts. If anyone wants to see our G chats from from the moment we drafted this guy, we knew he was going to be the goat. Just locking in. Yeah, I uh, I got a white one because they were the red ones were unavailable for a period of time there. But we went to that basketball game. There were probably ten thousand people in attendance there, and Mm -hmm. uh, I got to tell you, there just was not. there were not very many Mahomes jerseys. And no. so we had a moment where uh, we made eye contact with him when he's on the sideline. He was on the bench. Yeah, sure. And we had yeah. our jerseys and we just literally like puffed out our chest so you could see <laughs> the 15 on there. The it was, jeans, yep. Yeah, it was fantastic. So um, I I mean, that jersey will it's always hot in there be that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. it was. It was a scorcher in there. Real, real hot one. Uh, so our last question of the night is going to be from another bird of war, Brian West Hughes. Ka-ka! And he DM'd us and he said, question for the pod. Uh, at the halfway point in the season, do you agree or disagree with these selections? So we'll go we'll go through them one at a time. Offensive player of the year for the Chiefs, Mahomes. Um, I'll say here that I agree on Pat, but I would put Kelsey in a very close second. What do you think on offensive player? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, offensive player has to be the most important player and the best player on the team, which is... Yeah. Patrick, uh, but honorable mention to Travis Kelsey. I mean, honestly, I, I, Tyreek Hill is having an unbelievable year as well. Sure. Um, yeah. Just piling up. Embarrassment the of riches. Left and right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Uh, Brian says defensive player of the year. He's got Frank Clark. Um, you know, Frank's second on the team with four sacks. He leads the team in the tackles for loss. Um, I, I think I would give it to Daniel Sorensen. Really? And yes. So Dan has been, he leveled up. I don't know at what point he leveled up, but he's been incredible this year. So he ties for the team lead with interceptions with two. Now, um, Jarius Sneed had two before he really even, you know, played, he played two games and had, had two picks and then he got hurt. But uh, Dan had that pick six against, and he had that sick one hander against Josh Allen. And so, I mean, he's, he's had great there. He leads the team in forced fumbles with two. And he leads the team in solo tackles. So he's been flying around everywhere. And I, I got to say, I I always kind of thought Dan was up and down and up and down and he would make big plays and then get burned. And I think his his ceiling's been uh, – I think he's been amazing this year. So I would go with him. Who would you pick for defensive player of the year? Uh, I would probably go with – I think Frank Clark is in the conversation. I think Chris Jones obviously is in the conversation. I probably would go with Tyron Matthew. He has not sure. quite had the same level of splash play. That also, two picks. Yeah, but I mean, he's he's playing very well. He's obviously the the guy kind of calling the shots on the back end. I think mm-hmm. I go with uh, I think I go with the Badger. Um, I think his picks for offensive and defensive rookie of the year are basically home runs of Clyde and Turk Wharton. I think those are both, uh, I can't really, I mean, Willie Gay's come on late. And so if he keeps this up, he might end the year as our defensive rookie of the year. But um, I like Wharton and Clyde a lot for those. I assume you do too. Yeah, I do. I think, um, I think they're both obviously good picks and Turk certainly has played way above his level. I think by the end of the year, uh, it's probably going to end up being Willie Gay still. I mm-hmm. think you know, he's flashed and we're all hoping to see uh, more of him. Like, you know, every time he 
is on the field, it feels like he's making plays and he just kind of pops. Uh, yes. I mean, not that Turk doesn't pop. Turk's popped a little bit, especially for a guy that, you know, was undrafted. But man, mm-hmm. um, I think at the end of the year, it's going to be gay. But if I had to pick a guy right now, it probably would have to be Turk. Yep, I agree with that. And he also said special teams player of the year, Byron Pringle. I think that's a, a slam dunk. I, I do really yeah. like Tommy Townsend there a lot, but um, Pringle's been, he's a game changer. He's awesome. Gunning, returning, like every aspect of special teams. He's just, he's a hell of a special teams player. Yeah, he's been great. Obviously, the the touchdown stands out, but uh, he's had a lot of great returns or a lot of great plays. Downing, punts, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just playing the ball down the field. He's been fantastic. He's the runaway favorite for special teams player of the year, for sure. And then, uh, you know, they're maybe going to get, you know, maybe they could get Tommy into the conversation if they give him a few more uh, pass plays because he's yeah, got Yeah, there you go. Sure, but you know. Yeah, uh, he you know, goes touchdown or runs for one or something. They did say he can take off. That Dave Tobe said we like his athletic ability to take off too. So I wonder if huh. Tommy well, yeah, could be. Could be. He could get back running. into the running by the end of the year for sure. Uh, and then finally, Brian said play of the year. So he's got the Mahomes bomb to Hardman versus the Ravens. I respectfully disagree with that. It was an amazing play. Uh, for me, the two game, the two plays that stand out to me are both in that Charger game. It's either Butker's three long distance kicks of 53, 58, 58, or that same game with Mahomes to Hill on, on the run, on the dime, rolling into the end zone. Those are probably where my brain first went with play of the year. But the good thing about watching the chiefs is that there are so many candidates for this, that there's really, I mean, that, that Hardman plays incredible. And, and the Monday night game was huge and beating it, beating the Ravens down. That was a lot of fun. Um, but that's kind of, I think I'm going to go with those charger games. I think that the Mahomes to Hill touchdown in that game. I think that's the choice for me. I mean, that yeah. was a, that was that was an unbelievable play, both from the quarterback and then also from Tyreek as well. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the athleticism needed for him to be able to track that ball, come down with it, and then roll into the end zone without getting touched down or tackled is uh, it's incredible. And in a key moment, too, I mean, late in that game with the Chiefs trailing, uh, no. yeah, I, I, I'd have to give it to that play. There are a lot to choose from, but man, yeah, that was that was clutch for sure. Guys, we are done for tonight. This has been a little bit longer episode. We're getting back to uh, mid-season form here, or off-season form, I should say. Thank you, my week. Uh, really racking up the yeah, really racking up the mailbag questions. Since we're on a bye this week, we are going to be back next week with a preview of the Raiders game, and we'll also do some more mailbag questions. So if you guys have questions, you can DM us on Twitter. You can uh, certainly at us on Twitter. I'm at Real Bird Lawyer. He's at Taylor underscore Wit. Or you can join our Discord server. And if you're not already in there, uh, you can DM Taylor and he can add you, give you the codes, give you the access codes, and come on in there. We're chatting Chiefs football pretty much all the time. It's just like a little private chat room, essentially. Um, and you can drop us mailbag questions there. We've got a little sub server in there for mailbag questions, which is where we pulled a lot of these from. So we're looking forward to banging out some more of the mailbags. It's gonna be there's gonna be a Lord of the Rings theme next week. So if you like Lord of the Rings, we we got your Lord of the Rings Chiefs crossover content that you all crave next week. We'll see you all next time.